The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. community. And uh, this series is about how me and you as Christians, as God's people, are called to come together and to function in community and that we are better together. In fact, I'm going to have you do this every week. Turn to the person beside you and tell them we are better together. We are better together. If you were here last week, we began this series talking about how uh, we were created by God in his image. Most of us understand that. And the image that God created us in is the image of community. That when he, he spoke about man in Genesis 1, he talked and he said us. And he was referring to the Trinity. God uh, the, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so me and you were made in the image of community. And because we were made in that image, we function best from that image. And in fact, we see in Genesis 2 that God looks at Adam in the Garden of Eden. He looks at him in this perfect place with perfect everything. There's no sin in the world. No, the fall of man has not taken place. Adam's there, and he has a perfect relationship with God. And yet God looks at that and says, it's not good. Why? Because he doesn't have a connection. He doesn't have community with people like him. And so we know God then begins to, he gives him Eve and and relationships begin to, to take place. But then the fall of man takes place and relationships get breached. And so Jesus comes and, and creates the church and builds this thing so that we can have community again and we can get back to the original intent, the original design. And me and you now, through community, can have the standard that God wanted us to walk in, to be walking together in godly community. If you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you uh, to check that out. You can go to our, our podcast, New Song. Uh, people.com, our website, newsongpeople.com slash media, and you can listen to it or you can go to iTunes. If you're new to New Song, this is your first week or second week, you're just getting to know the church, I want to encourage you to check out all of our messages and kind of catch up with where we are in that. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about the benefits of community. And I want to talk to you specifically about what Jesus said about community. And, and one, of the, one of the more impactful things that we see Jesus talk about on the last night of his life before he goes to the cross. Now, most of us know, um, you know, when we look at at the life of Jesus, we we see big impact. But what's interesting is when you really begin to think and dissect the life of Jesus and his ministry impact, if you really consider it and look at it, his biggest impact came from his investment in the smallest group of people that were around him, the small group of his 12 disciples. Maybe you never realized that, that Jesus had this small group of men that were around him, but he invested in them at a deeper level than he did anyone else. And he spent way more time pouring into them. And I believe it's because Jesus understood something, that his greatest impact was going to come from his intimate relationship and communication with these men. And you know, at New Song, we believe the same thing. We, we, love, we love big groups and we love small groups. 
Uh, We love this. This is awesome to me. I love coming to church on Sunday. I love having all of you guys here with us. I love worshiping. I love being your pastor. I love getting to to go to the Lord during the week and ask him what he would have, what he would want to share with you and getting to lead you and feed you with the word of God. I, I love that. But you know what? I also understand that for us to be the church I believe God's called us to be, there has to be a much smaller version of New Song that takes place. And that's New Song Groups, which we are extremely excited to be launching uh, this month and want to encourage you to get in a group. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But what we see in in the life of Jesus is his greatest impact was with this small group. In fact, it's interesting. A lot of times in the Bible, when you see Jesus and he preaches to like a a large group of people, um, a a lot of times... If you look at this sometime, I, I dare you to study this out. But the people all went away not really knowing what he was talking about. Like it happens very often that, that people are confused, even his disciples who were with him. And he would have to pull them aside and, and share with them at a deeper level. Because here's the truth. In our life, there are just some things, there's some impacts that can only really take place in in truly real intimate relationships that we have. Uh, If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse, you know what I'm talking about. Now, me and my wife are married, and we like to go on dates still, even though we're married. And I encourage you, if you are married, continue to date your wife. It will be a good thing for you. But when we go on dates, I don't send out a mass email to the entire church saying, hey, we're going to Whiskey Cake for a date. Everybody come on, right? No, because I I need to spend time with just her. There's things that take place when I connect with her in that intimate relationship. When we get to sit across the table and look at each other eye to eye and see not only hear each other's words, but hear each other's heart. When we can kind of lay down some of the the things that we, we kind of have to put on sometimes and be real with each other. And that's what we see in, in the life of Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at this, this, this night in Jesus' life, this last night. And what's interesting about this is, uh, you, you may not realize this, but in the Gospels, there's so much of the Gospels take place in such a short time frame. In fact, uh, it, this what we're going to look at today, uh, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. We're going to be in that area. If you want to turn there, John 13 is where we're going to start. But in those five chapters, it's one night in the life of Jesus. This, this last night, that's one night. And, and so there was a lot happening in this one night. And there's a story here that I think is so big and so vital for us to see. Because what's interesting is you think with a guy like Jesus that on his last night that he would want to get up and deliver this big eloquent message and this powerful, you know, Story and parable, his greatest parable in this moment. It's his last chance, but he doesn't do that. In fact, he gives an example to them for them to follow, an example of how he wants them to walk in community. So if you have your Bible, John chapter 13, if you don't, you can look up here on the screens with us, starting in verse 1. It says this It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world. And go to the Father. So he's getting ready to to die on the cross. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It's talking about his disciples right here and how he's loving in this moment, he's talking to them. He's loving on them as he's getting ready to go this. 
uh, go do what he's going to do. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So remember that. The, the, the wheels are in motion. Things are beginning. Judas has already betrayed Jesus at this moment. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So watch this right here. This is, this is unbelievable. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Well, let's stop right there for a second. You know, today we read this and we, we hear the story about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And honestly, we get it. If, if you've been around the church, if you, if you know anything about Jesus, you probably have heard this story before. And it's another one of these stories that's an example that Jesus was willing to serve. And he was willing to do whatever it takes to let people know that he loved them and he cared for them and he wanted to help them. And we get that. But what we don't necessarily get today is the shock value that this had at that time in Scripture. This is the ancient world that, that Jesus is living in here. And at this time, things were different. You know, feet, let's be honest. Can we be honest this morning? Feet are kind of nasty, right? And, and typically people who like feet kind of frowned upon. Am I, right? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, that guy has a foot thing and that's, that, stay away from him, okay? You don't want him babysitting the children. Um, because feet are, are weird and gross and, you know, they have all these knobs on them and they have, they smell and they don't look pretty. And this is in modern, the modern world that we live in today, where we have good shoes and we have roads. But think about in Jesus' day. They had like these little, you know, there were no Nike sandals. They just had these little leather sandals and the roads were not paid. The, the roads, here's what the roads were made out of. They were a mixture of dirt, rocks, and manure. And not just animal manure, but they're people. There's no, there's no indoor plumbing. So there's all sorts of stuff on the roads. And so people are walking around and they're getting all of this stuff on their feet. And so it was, it was a custom in those days that when you would come into a home at night, uh, there would be a water basin by the front door and you would stop and you would wash your own feet. Uh, it was normally done by, by just you individually. If you were really well off and doing well, you would have servants. And, and you would have a servant that when people came in, they would wash people's feet. But this servant was the lowest of all the servants. This was not an exalted position at all. This was actually almost a position of shame within the home. And so here, <laughs> we have Jesus in this moment bowing down you know this is god right we get that this is he's been doing miracles he's been speaking things that they've never heard he's blowing people's minds with what he the revelation he has his disciples have been have been witnesses to this firsthand and now he's he's getting down on his knees he's wrapping this towel around his head he's pouring water over their dirty nasty feet washing them getting in between their toes Digging out whatever may be there and, and clean and, and washing their feet, including, including what we read earlier, Judas Iscariot, the one who's betrayed him. He washes their feet. And this is shocking to these guys in this moment. 
And, and they don't really know what to do with it. And they're, and they're actually having a hard time with it. It kind of freaks them out. In fact, it goes on to say, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And imagine that, that Simon Peter in this moment is kind of going, I don't know that I'm okay. Like, you're Jesus. You're, you're the Lord. Like, what? You don't. Is this a test? Should I, am I, I imagine that's what he's thinking. Like, is this a test? Am I supposed to stop you and, you know, prove that I want to serve you more? Like, but look at what Jesus goes on to say. You do not realize now what I am doing. And and I'm going to stop right here for just a moment because I want to make a statement. And this is kind of the crux of the message today. I want you to get this. Okay. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down, but we all need some people in our life who have access to certain areas of our life. In fact, you could say it this way. We need a few people in our life that know what's between our toes. And we need a few people in our life that we know what's between their toes. That there's areas in people's life that we hide away. Let's be real today. We all have them. It it doesn't necessarily have to be a sin. Just stuff that we're struggling with. Stuff that we tend to guard. Stuff that we're fine with lacing up and keeping hidden away under, under the surface. We don't want people to see that because it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But Jesus is giving us an example of, that's right where I want to be. It goes on to say this. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Jesus says this. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. But look at what Jesus says. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And you know, I think most of us are like Peter today. Uh, we don't like awkward. <laughs> you know, I, I showed that video earlier because that's, that's us. Like we come to church and we want to put on our best. And I don't, I'm, we're, I'm the same way, you know. This is why we've invented things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So we can put our highlight reels out there. You know, if, and I'm, this is how it is in our family. It's Christmas picture time. So, you know, we get by the tree. I got three little kids and Sarah, and we, we start going for this. And I tell whoever's taking the picture, take 50 pictures. Anybody relate to me on this? Take 50, because here's what. Out of the 50, I might get one that's good. Where everyone looks good, and everyone's looking at the camera, and everyone's hair's in the right place, and everything's zipped up and buttoned. And, and then that's the one that we put out there for everyone to see because that's, that's us at our best. And we like that, you know? We, most everyone in here, for the most part, from what I can tell, has gone through puberty. And we're happy about that. That was an awkward stage of life. And we don't want to go there again. And we don't want to have to deal with that. We're, we're past the awkwardness and we want to live there. And I imagine for the disciples, this is awkward and they're struggling with this a little bit. Peter's uncomfortable with this kind of closeness with, the, with, his, with his Lord. And so he says, I don't want you to do this, but Jesus says, unless I wash you, unless I can get up close and personal with you in this way, if we can't be real, then you can't really have a part in me. You see, in our life, we've got to be real with God. But you know what? We also need to be real with other people. You need people in your life that you can be real with. You need people in your life that you're willing to let them see what's going on between the toes. And that you can look at what's going on between their toes. And you can be okay with with that and help them through that. 
You say, Pastor Josh, why? Why is this necessary? Why do I need this? Because remember, we are better together. And here's what I believe Jesus is modeling for us. Because here's how Jesus approached those nasty, dirty feet. He looked at them, he washed them, and he didn't look at the disciples as he got to each foot and say, what is this? What have you been doing? What have you been walking in? How dare, no. He helped them with an area that needed to be fixed. And I believe that this is what God is calling us to do as a church. To come together in community and to, to help people with cleaning up and fixing those areas that we sometimes hide away. And there's people in this room today that God has called to connect with you and for you to connect with where you can lift each other up and help each other get through the fights and get through those things that you've been struggling and hiding away today. And so I want to give you really quickly today five, five things, five points of partnership, five reasons why community and partnership is so important. And if you're taking notes, you can, you can keep along with me with this. Five points. Number one is this, serve one another. Through community, through partnership, through being in relationship together, we can serve one another. Now, if you come to the church any amount of time, you're going to hear people talking about serving and how you need to serve and how you need to be a part of what the church is doing. And listen, that is totally true. I, I want everyone in here to be serving in some capacity in the church. I believe that what God has called us to do as a church is not to just be a, a, a consumer of the church, but to be a contributor, to give something back. And through that, that's how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. But beyond that too, here's why I want you to serve, because people need to be served. And there's a day in your life when you might need to be served. As something tragic happens or something bad happens in your life. And in that moment, God forbid that nobody knows about it because you've not opened up to anybody. That nobody can come along and, and, and help you and speak into your life and minister to you. It breaks my heart to think that that could happen. But it can happen because you don't let people in. A few years ago... You've heard the story probably before of me and Sarah, we lost a child and losing that baby, how hard that was on us. But in that moment, we had a community around us. We had a church community around us and they came alongside of us and they began to minister to us. And, and over those days, as we just lost this baby, we had people sending us emails and sending us texts and bringing us food and, and praying for us. And you could feel the love of the community around us ministering to us. And let me just tell you, it, it was a game changer for us. It lifted our spirits. It lifted our hearts. And, and, and you need to serve because people need what you have. Look at this, John 13. Same chapter, down to verse 12. This is what Jesus said after he did all this. He says, so when he had washed their feet, take his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Now look at this. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. Now he says, you see what I've done, and you call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right. I am your teacher, and I am the Lord. Look, he goes on to say this. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... Look at this, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Now let me just be real clear right here, I'm not talking about really washing people's feet, okay? So you can just be cool on that, all right? Um, what I'm talking about is, is figuratively being in people's lives and helping them and being there for them. And Jesus calls us to this kind of lifestyle, 
This last side of his life, he models a kind of life he wants us to live, that he wants us serving each other and, and helping each other. And listen, you need to understand something. In 2016, I cannot promise you that this is going to be a perfect year for you. I wish I could. But in fact, what I can promise you is that it's probably not going to be a perfect year because Jesus said in John 16, that in this world, you're going to have troubles. You're gonna face things this year. You have an enemy and he's gonna try to attack you. And so you're gonna face stuff. But the good news is Jesus has overcome the world and the good news is Jesus has equipped people in this world to come alongside you and help you. And this is what it looks like. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Everyone in here has a gift. Everyone in here has been equipped by God to make an impact in this world around us. And, and I want you to know something today. There's people in this room and there's people in this world that need what God has equipped you with. They need it. They need you to step up. They need you to serve them. And, and there's people in this room and there's people in the world that have a gift that you need to. But we're never gonna experience that unless we're willing to let people in. Unless we're willing to serve and allow other people to serve this, to serve us. Every one of you in this room has a gift that someone else in this room needs. And listen, I need your gift. New song needs your gift. So I encourage you to step out and be willing to have a heart that serves. Number two, we encourage one another. We encourage one another. The word encourage means to put courage in, to lift the spirit. You know, we all face stuff from time to time. We all deal with situations in our life where we need to be lifted up. I, I dealt with a situation just recently where I was just having a bad day. Anyone ever have a bad day? Raise your hand. Come on. Don't be shy. Have a bad day, and you're just having a rough time. And you know what? I know the Word really well. I really do. I've, I, I, I've studied the Word of God. I know it well. And when I'm having a bad day, you know, I know the Word. I start pulling from the Word. But I was just, it, wasn't, it just wasn't working this day. And so I decided to open up to somebody. And, and it wasn't comfortable for me because I like to look like I got it all together. I like to, you know, look strong, but, but I let somebody in and I said, hey, I'm kind of having a hard time here. I'm kind of struggling and I need some help. Would you pray for me? And this person stopped in what they were doing and they, they spoke some words to me and they prayed for me. And when they prayed for me, God used their prayer to, to really minister to me. And I left that situation, I left that prayer feeling completely different. Why? Because I let somebody see what was between my toes. And listen, we all need encouragement. The disciples needed encouragement. In John 14, we know this because Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Why do the disciples need to be lifted up in this moment? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus keeps talking about how he's going to die. And they don't want him to die. They love him. They don't want to see him go, but, but you know, they're, they're having a hard time. So what does Jesus do? He begins to encourage them. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And he also, then he goes on to say, in my father's house are many rooms. He begins to point them to, to a future and a hope and, and a better way and a better plan that God had for them. And listen, 
In our life, sometimes we need people to come in. It's great that we have the word. It's great that we have our connection with God. But we also need community and connections with other people who can come in and be used by God to speak life into us on those days of trouble. Because here's the deal. When we're discouraged, we're not very smart. When you're discouraged, you will make bad decisions. You will make bad choices. You will mess up. And so you need other people to come alongside you and help encourage you. Hebrews 3 verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Notice it says, as long as it is called today. When do we need encouragement? Every day. Listen, I hope that when you come to New Song Church, you get encouraged. I hope that when you come to church, you, you leave feeling like you can stomp a mud hole in the devil. I hope you feel good about your life. But listen, you need it more than just once a week. You need it every day. You need it from God's word every day. You need it from God's people every day. So we encourage each other. Number three, we produce with one another. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse four. Live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Notice it says it's sure to be abundant. When you're connected with God, the the harvest is going to be abundant. But look at this, separated, you can't produce a thing. There's something about us coming together with other people in community where we are able to produce more and and do more. Uh, When I was a junior in high school, uh, I began to start lifting weights. And when I first started, I was pathetic, okay? Uh, I'm about the same height that I was then, uh, except I was 50 pounds lighter. And I'm not a heavy dude. So imagine 50 pounds lighter. Like I look like I was going in for some therapy. Something was wrong. And so I, I could see this. and I knew something had to change. So I started lifting weights. And I had tried before and I had failed. But this time what was different is I got a buddy. I got a friend of mine who was in a similar situation. <laughs> and we began to work out together. I remember the first time I went to the gym, I got on the bench press feeling so inadequate and, and, and putting the weight on. And it was like pathetic looking on the bench. And I was bench pressing 90 pounds. Any women in here bench press more than 90 pounds? Probably. I'm, oh, never mind. Leave it alone. But I was bench pressing. And it was like get struggling to do it. And it was embarrassing. And had I not had a friend with me, I probably would have quit after about a week of this. But because I had a friend, I decided to persevere. You know, there'd be days that I didn't feel like working out that he did, and he would encourage me. And there were days that he didn't feel like working out that I did. And so we kept pushing each other, and we'd be in there lifting, you know, our tiny little weights and get to that place of failure, and we'd push through, and, you know, you can do two more, and we'd keep going. And and so we'd just keep kind of pressing on in this. And I remember one day going into the, to the locker room afterwards and having my shirt off and being like, wait a minute, I can see something. And it was awesome. And so we kept going. And after a while, we started seeing real gains start to take place. And two years later, I gained 50 pounds of muscle. I went from benching two or benching 90 pounds to being able to bench 285 pounds. And and I had like zero fat on my body. And it was about that time that Sarah came to the picture. Thank God. And she married me. And that was awesome. But 
I, I, I say all that to say this. I was able to produce more because I had a partner. I had somebody with me that would push me, that would help me. And because of that, we produced more. I, I heard a story this week about these guys that took these oxes. And they took one ox and they began to see how much weight one ox could pull. And so they started throwing this weight onto the back of this, of, of this, uh, this carriage that this ox was going to pull. And, and they put weight on and weight on and weight on. They finally got up to 7,000 pounds. And that was kind of the max that one ox could pull. And so they thought, okay, well, let's see if we team up oxes, see how, how different this is. And so they put, you know, two oxes on there and they began to put weight on and, and they got, you know, 7,000 pounds, 10,000 pounds, 14,000 pounds, 17,000 pounds, 18,000 pounds, 20,000 pounds, 25,000 pounds, 27,000 pounds is where the two oxes maxed out. And it's a picture that I think we can see, and we see this in Scripture, that when we partner together, the the power is multiplied. Deuteronomy talks about this, that one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. That when we come together with other people, we can produce great results in the world around us. We can produce great results in our world. When we partner with others, we can produce more. Number four, we protect one another. We protect one another. John 16 this is still the same night, different chapter, but the same night. Jesus says this, all, that, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. All, all of what? All of the stuff he's been telling him over the last, you know, this night about partnering together, about washing each other's feet. All of this I've told you so that you will not go astray. Now, that word astray comes from the Greek word skandalizo. It's where we get the English word scandal. And it means this, it means a snare in your path that you cannot see. A snare in your path that you cannot see. Now, I want to tell you something today. You need to realize this. Every one of us, me, you, all of us, there are snares in your path today that you cannot see. There's an enemy that has placed things in front of you to entrap you, to hurt you, to trip you up, to get you entangled in so that you cannot fulfill the purposes that God has for you. And you being as spiritually solid as you can, if you are really watching the road and really watching every step, you can probably catch a lot of those. But here's my question. If you bring somebody else in, another set of eyes, aren't you going to catch way more? You know, in my life, I have people who have the assignment of keeping their eyes on me, of watching me. And I've given them permission to speak into my life if they see things that don't look right. Because listen, we can deceive ourselves. Uh, I, I knew a pastor, and I grew up around this guy. And he was a very dynamic uh, leader in the body of Christ. And, uh, and he, he started making a huge impact and became nationally known. And as he grew in his influence, he also began to kind of pull away from some of the leaders and some of the authority that had been placed around him. In fact, he rejected his pastor when his pastor came and talked to him about some of the problems that he was seeing with him. And he began to pull away from anyone that would speak anything against him. And it was just a matter of time until we found out that he had had a moral failure, that he had slipped up and he had cheated on his wife and, and messed up his, his ministry. But beyond that, he messed up his, his family. His kids were impacted by this in horrible ways. His wife was impacted by this. It did major damage. You see, deceitfulness hurts. These traps hurt. 
And they don't just hurt you. They hurt your family. They hurt your wife. They hurt the ministry that God wants to do in your life. They hurt your kids. It's a big deal. And we need other people in our life that are allowed to come in and say, hey, this behavior or this way of thinking or this is not okay and you need, to, you need, you need help there. I heard another story about a pastor who was in a foreign country doing missionary work and he was getting ready to leave and he was already late and, and he went outside and he, he found this cab and he began to throw his bags in the cab and got in the cab and was getting ready to pull away and one of the guys that was local to that area came up and said, hey, I need to talk to you really quick. And he was like, hey, I, got, I would love to, but I really got to run. I'm going to miss my flight. And he was like, no, I really, I really need to talk to you. You can catch another cab, get your stuff and come out. And he was like, I, I've got to go. I'm going to miss my flight if I do this. He said, trust me, I've got to talk to you. And so he got out of the, of the cab, got all his stuff out, was a little frustrated by the whole thing and began to talk to this guy. And this guy said, listen, the cab you were getting in was not a real cab. There are people in this country that will have fake taxi cabs that will try to get Americans to get in them and then they will drive them out into the woods. They will beat them and leave them for dead and steal and rob all their stuff. And you were in one of their cabs. And he had no idea. But because he had another set of eyes looking out for him, he was able to be saved from that. Listen, as your pastor... You need people to protect you. You need this. I'm trying to be a good pastor to you today. I hope you see that. You need others that can help you with this. Number five, last thing. We pray for one another. Now look at this, John chapter 17. This is kind of amazing, what I'm about to read to you. This is Jesus. He says, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, I pray for them. Who, who's the them? He's talking about his disciples. I pray for them. And look at this. This is what's amazing. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. In this moment, the incarnate Jesus lets us in on something. He is not covering the world in prayer at this time. Why? Too many names. Too many people. At this point, his focus in his ministry and his prayer life is on the group that God has given him that he is equipping to carry on the message and the ministry of, in, the, in this world. And here, here's what I want you to see in this. I believe as a church, I want this for our church. I want everyone in this church to be called by name and prayer and brought to the Lord each day. But that is not the job of one person. It's the job of all of us. And what I'm doing is I'm leading my team and I've got a lead team and I, I pray for my lead team. And I pray for them specifically. And then I've encouraged them to pray for their teams. And then hopefully they are praying for their teams and this gets extended on down the line till everybody gets covered. And, and it's not just a name that's being read off a list, but that actually someone is praying for you and they're seeing your face. And they're joining their faith with yours and knowing what's going on in your world. It's a real community communion prayer that's taking place for you in your life. 
And in community, we are able to put ourselves in a position where other people can be praying for us, can be lifting us up, can be presenting our name before God, that we can go into a group, into a room and say, hey, this is what I'm believing God for. And somebody can say, I'll be praying for you with that. It can be lifting you up in that each and every day. There's such a power that, ha- that takes place in community. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And Jesus showed us something so amazing on this last night of his life. He could have preached a dynamic message, but what did he do? He led by example. He got down, he washed the disciples' feet, and he said this, there's no area of your life I want you to hide from me. In those areas that you want to hide from me, I want to get in the middle of them, and I want to fix them. I don't just want to know about them and look at them and tell you how ashamed you should be of them. I want to fix them. And then he told us, likewise you do. Get in community with people. Get into those areas where they need help and help them fix them. I'm telling you, there is power in this today. Today, as you, as you came into church, you got a, a little form on your, on your seat. It looks like this. If you have that, if you want to pull it out, look at it. This is our new song groups. Uh, these are the groups that we have available. And we're launching our groups over the next couple weeks. And we are better together. We're establishing that as a church. We need each other. And we have these groups, and, and here's how we've tried to do this. We want to make different groups available for all the different walks of life. If you look at this form, you'll see that they meet at different times. They meet at different locations. Most groups meet twice a month at the most. And then our women's groups, a lot of those meet just once a month. But I want to encourage you to, to take a, a good, hard look at this and prayerfully consider joining a group and signing up to be a part of community. Because, listen, you need this. This is important to what God wants to do in your heart and in your life and the life that he wants to produce in you today. Uh, On the 24th, we're going to have our launch party here for our groups. And and that night, we'll begin having our groups. But during the day at the service that day, we'll have all of our leaders here. You can meet them, get to know them. You can talk with them, kind of learn more about our groups. And I just want to encourage you to have, be open to this. If you've never done it before, be open to it. Maybe you're like me. Listen, I'm the guy that goes in the movie theater. If I'm with another guy and he sits right beside me in the movie theater, I'm like, dude, buffer zone, like what's the deal, right? But we got to get beyond that kind of thinking. We need to get real with people. We need to get up close and personal. That's what Jesus has called us to be, to get in between the toes of other people, to let people in between our toes. Amen.